It's not the bite of the snake that kills you, it's the venom. Ah. When you do an Aveira, well, the Aveira doesn't kill you. The but the feeling afterwards, mm. that's the venom. The feeling of... That's what the Yitzhara wants. That's yeah. what the inclination wants. That uh, he'll get you to do something wrong. And then the job of a Yid, a Jew, is that we're going to fall down. Right. But what's the main thing that makes you a righteous person is the fact that you get back up. You can't hate yourself into change. If I'll only hate myself enough, then I'll never do this again. And it doesn't work because it's like drinking poison water. Like it satiates your thirst, but it's destroying your system. Beruchim Habaim, and welcome to Torah Talks Chazak's Tuesday night program with a special guest. We have with us all the way from Eretz Yisrael, Israel, Rabbi Mordechai Berg. Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi. Nice to see you. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us it's at good the to Chazak be here. headquarters. It's okay. good to be here. First time in Chazak. Okay, first of many, Mitzvah Bezat Hashem. And uh, we're going to be speaking about uh, guilt versus shame. And uh, before we get to the topic, a little bit of background about the rabbi and the great work you're involved with. So I grew up in the five towns. I've right heard here, of that place. Yeah. Not far from Queens. <laughs> Queens is a place you visit when you live in the five towns. You don't, you don't ever leave the five towns. <laughs> Queens is known for the airport. That's what people exactly, outside of Queens. Exactly. On the way back from LaGuardia, I used to stop in Shimon's Pizza all of the time. All of Yeah. <laughs> and, um, grew up in the five towns and got married. Actually, I married a girl from Queens. Nice. And last name? Fold. Fold. Oh, of Fold. Or Michal Fold had a silver store here in Queens many years ago. And uh, and then 16 years ago now, we moved to Eretz Yisrael, to Israel, to a town called Beit Shemesh. And uh, I'm very privileged to work in a yeshiva called Mevaseret, which is ironically in Mevaseret, <laughs> which is a suburb of Yerushalayim. And uh, I hang out there, hang out oh, with Hashem. the guys. Yeah. Eretz HaKodesh, the Kedusha, we feel it's amazing. Baruch Hashem, Chazi Hashem. And... So uh, we're, we were discussing before and about uh, the fact that people do fail. And uh, the question is, why does God put that into the system of this world? Why do we have to go through failure? Why can't it just be rosy? <laughs> It'd be nice. Though, <laughs> It'd you know? be nice, right? Yeah. The, the rabbis say in the Medrash that Hashem created the world because he desired to have a dwelling place in the world down below. Right. It's not interesting to God to live in a spiritual world. That's like opposites attract. He wanted something that was other than him. So he created us. And by definition, if we're other than God, we're going to be imperfect. So the nature of the creation, because we're other than God, involves a process of imperfection. The entire world is always falling apart. There's a certain chaos that exists here in this world. But what God desires is to have a relationship with us. (laughs) And I think when we think about relationships, so... Obviously, it's great when a relationship is going well. That's beautiful. But real oneness, real intimacy doesn't occur when things are going well. You're really only married to your spouse when you're invited in to the areas that you don't want to talk about. So there's always that period in dating where there's like that vulnerability of, I want to tell you things about myself that I don't tell anyone else. And that's when the oneness really gets created. And so there's a beauty to being invited into our lowest moments. And I think that's what God wants from us. God says, I made you imperfect. I love you, not despite your imperfections, but because of your imperfections. But invite me in. So if you do the wrong thing, if you do an Avera, so do tshuva. And tshuva means invite me in. 
Tell me what was going on. Tell me why you did those things. What does it mean to you to do those things? Who's the person that you want to be? So there's a lot of clarification that exists within ourselves when we do the wrong thing in determining how we want to move forward. And if we can invite God into our lowest moments, then we're in a real relationship with God. Very, very true and very, very, very powerful. And the fact that God Almighty created, I guess we'll say for lack of better words, the concept of tshuva, of repenting, that means that there is the fact that people will be doing wrong because if people wouldn't be doing things wrong, then there wouldn't be the concept of repenting. So, uh, so, uh, in times of failure or in times of difficulty or those bumps in the road, how does one stay positive? How does one stay strong? Chazak. <laughs> Chazak. Um, you know, I think that if you love someone because, then you don't really love them. Because then you only love them for a reason. There's, a, there's yeah. something that's... Right. So if I love my wife because she's a great cook, then I don't love my wife. I love food. <laughs> and if I love my kids because of the legacy that I'll leave behind, then I don't love them. I love my legacy. True. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to God. God does not love us for any reason. Because if he loved us because we did a mitzvah, because we followed his commandments, or because we didn't do an avera, because we stayed away from breaking one of his commandments then he wouldn't love us. Then we're just useful tools to doing mitzvos and doing averos. And if God really loves us, then he loves us. So we're not defined by our failures. We're not defined by our successes. God really loves us. So if we do the wrong thing, we can stay positive because we know, number one, it was part of the design. Number two, this is an opportunity to bring God closer into our lives and to be able to really experience the vulnerability of failure within our relationship with God. And finally, it doesn't it doesn't define our relationship. There's an unconditional love that exists because he doesn't love us for any other reason other than just we are. We exist. Powerful, 100% true. And there's a, in our prayers we say, uh, we know the importance of not saying God's name in vain. You know, it's it's it's, it's one of the commandments. And uh, we say, Baruch Hashem, we say Hashem's name, Ohevet who loves the Jewish people. So we say, Kaddish Baruch Hu, God's name, and proves that Kaddish Baruch Hu loves us. That's so why we, That's why we say every morning in Davening, Elokai, Neshama Shanasatabito, the soul you gave me is pure. The relationship with God can't be interrupted. The purity of our soul, it remains no matter what we've done. Because we're a piece of Him. That's what we are fundamentally. 100% true, powerful, Rabbi Berg. Uh, we're going to turn the table around, uh, you know, uh, putting failure to the side. People that are Baruch Hashem, thank God they're successful. They're doing well. Life is good. Life is great. Let's celebrate, right? So in those situations where a person, Baruch Hashem, thank God, he has things going well for him, how does he make sure that uh, he doesn't have uh, his head up too high? He stays humble. He stays grounded in a sense. What do you suggest? Well, it, you know, it's a funny question a little bit because... Why would you get arrogant over doing the right thing? You would you would get arrogant because it's like, look what I did. But the entire notion of a mitzvah, of following God's commandments, it's for him. It's not for us. He asked us to do this mitzvah. So when we exist in the service of another, the posture is one of humility. The natural Jewish soul is humbled before God. We want to do what he wants us to do. So our first reaction when God says do a mitzvah, because we're so overtaken by the love that he has for us, is, 
Of course. Mm-hmm. So it's like sometimes when you have little kids and they say like, well, why should I do this? Right? If somebody has given you everything in your life <laughs> and they say, can you do this for me? Our natural response is, of course. <laughs> and that's what the Jews said by Harsinai. They said, Nasev and Nishma will do and we will listen. Of course, we want to know why we're doing what we're doing, but we want to know why, not because then I'll decide whether or not I want to do it. We want to know why so that we can serve God better. <laughs> but our initial reaction is if you ask, of course, I'm going to do. It's. Uh, I heard a rabbi many years ago. You know that little white foam that's like on top of a Hershey Kiss. You know, like when you uh, when you open up a Hershey Kiss, the little silver foil. So there's always that white stuff. So he said, if you open it up and think anthrax, you've got a problem. Like what's going on in your life that you looked at that white stuff and said maybe that's anthrax? No, you know it's just the wrapper. If your initial reaction when God says do this is wait 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 what is that? <laughs> it means that you don't understand God's love. God says, I love you. Do this. This is what I want you to do in this world. This makes life me- this makes life meaningful. This makes the world a better place, a more godly place. This makes you a more godly person. So when we do it, we're doing it for him. So we're going to walk around going, I do for God? No, that's like, walk- that's like a husband walking around and saying, I'm a great husband. You're supposed to be a great husband. You're there to serve your wife. That's not a... There's, there's no arrogance there. That's humility. 100%. So we said the topic is shame versus guilt. You know, uh, people go through difficulties, their hardships, and uh, they, 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 they feel shamed and they feel guilty. What chizuk, what inspiration can we give to such a person? Yeah, well, I think it's important to define the terms. Sure. Shame is the belief that I'm unworthy of love and connection because of what I've done. Guilt is this behavior was beneath my dignity and it doesn't feel right. I deeply regret that. And regret is a really healthy emotion. You know, a lot of the kids go, no regrets. You know, I don't want to regret anything. <laughs> regret is a really healthy thing because regret tells me I don't want to, I don't want to do that again. That felt, that felt wrong. That felt uncomfortable. It didn't feel like it aligned with who I really am. So guilt and regret are really healthy emotions. Shame, we all have it, but shame is something that needs to be worked through. And the same thing is true when it comes to religion. You know, our rabbis always tell us, you know, you got to do a mitzvah, you got to do the right thing and don't do any averas. But again, we're going to. We're going to make mistakes. We're not perfect. The challenge is for so many of us that when we do the wrong thing, there's this debilitating feeling afterwards. I can't tell anyone about this. I can't tell my friends about this. I can't tell my rabbi about this. I certainly can't tell God about this, even though he already knows, but I don't want to tell him. I don't want to live in that conversation because I believe that I'm unworthy of love and connection. And it's wrong. It's wrong. Because again, going back to that same principle, God doesn't love you because he loves you. And a parent who sees their child making a mistake is not distant from the child. They're more concerned for the child. So, for example, if let's say one of our children, we told them, listen, you can go out, but I need you to take an Uber back home because I'm not going to be able to pick you up. So please don't spend this money. Use it on a cab. And then the kid spends it on a cab. I'm sorry, the kid spends it in the mall, let's say, and doesn't spend it on the cab. And now the kid calls the parent and says, I messed up. Does the parent go, well, you made your bed, now you sleep in it? No. The parent might be annoyed, but the parent says, I have to take care of you. I, I actually come closer to you in your moments of weakness when you're not doing so well. A parent takes care of a child. And the same thing is true with God. We make a mistake and we believe now we're unworthy of love and connection. And it's not true. God is closer to us in those moments. He's more concerned. And we have to be able to have enough of a sense of self within our tank to be able to say, it's okay. I'm a human being. 
And then if you have that, so then you can feel real guilt and you can say, I'm a godly soul. That's what I am in this world. And this behavior doesn't align with my godly soul. And especially today when there are certain behaviors that exist in the world that are very prevalent, it's so easy to do certain averas. And there's a, there's a certain feeling of like depression of just like, I'm, I'm bad because I did this. And we have to tell these kids and ourselves and the adults, frankly, like it's a mistake. It's normal. It's human. It's a growth oriented opportunity, but it doesn't define your relationship. So we have to try to implement as much as possible according to what I understand from the rabbi is that people go through these mistakes. They have these difficulties, these hardships. They go through sin, but they should, they shouldn't. You know, have a domino effect. What that means is that they, they made a mistake. They did something wrong. And because of that doing something wrong, they permitted, you know, they're, they're going downhill. So there's a famous saying. I'm trying to remember where it's from that, uh, basically, um, that, uh, Grossman, he has a song. I'm trying to remember it. His song goes as follows that, uh, which means basically whatever happened, happened. The main thing is what? To start fresh. Right. It's not the bite of the snake that kills you, it's the venom. Ah. So the Baal Shem Tov said, you know, when you do a, when you do an Aveira, so the Aveira doesn't kill you. The but sin the doesn't. feeling afterwards, mm. that's the venom, the feeling of. That's what the Yitzhara wants. That's what yeah. the Yitzhara wants. That uh, he'll get you to do something wrong. And then the job of a Yitzhara Jew mm-hmm. is that, uh, Sheva Pamim that we're going to fall down. Right. But what's the main thing that makes you a righteous person is the fact that. You get back up. You can't hate yourself into change. I think there's like a like a like a feeling of like if I'll only hate myself enough, then I'll never do this again. And it doesn't work because it's like drinking poison water. Like it satiates your thirst, but it's destroying your system. And we have to be able to move away from that. Hundred percent. So the rabbi is involved with Mevaseret. So that's uh, um, a base Spanish program that I understand, right? In, in Eretz Israel. So you deal with a lot of uh, youngsters and stuff. Anything comes to mind of a situation, obviously without names, of a person that might have, you know, went down and then through this chizuk or inspiration, these talks, the, the rabbi or the yeshiva, that Baruch Hashem was able to come out of the dirt and become. And, you know, there's one story that comes to mind, but I want to tell you, it's really, it's it's every day. It's every single day. The regular challenges of being 18, 19, 20 years old in Israel Mistakes are there. They're just like constantly in the water. And our job is to create an environment of accountability, but healthy accountability. Accountability that says we can do more, but not accountability that says you're not enough. And that's that's the debilitating part. But I will tell you one story. There was a boy, without even getting into any of the details of the mistake, it doesn't matter. He made a bad mistake. He had a really bad night, one really bad night. And, uh, you know, he got called into the office and You know, he was just deeply apologetic. He didn't really need any discipline, any punishment. He knew he messed up. He was, he was a good kid. He just had a bad night. But the problem is he was so embarrassed because he was like, I'm not that guy. And I, I just like, I can't believe that now every Rebbe in Yeshiva knows and every guy in Yeshiva knows that I had this bad night. And I would say for about the next three months, he was really just, he was so depressed. He was so down. And I remember we went out to Shwarma, we went out to Hello Taman, right at the entrance of uh, Jerusalem. And I said to him, you know, the only person that sees you this way is you. Like everybody else sees you as a guy who's awesome and you just had one bad night. But you just like, you have this part of yourself that's really just so critical. 
And, and I, I think that part of you is beautiful because it wants to make sure that you're never going to do this again. But it's really not working for you. And I just want to give you permission to be able to let go of that part, if you can, just to be able to say, like, I appreciate the inner voice of criticism, but this doesn't define me. Today, this is a young man married with children, sat and learned for many years, really just a beautiful person. And whenever we do speak, we often reflect back on that Hello Taman uh, <laughs> lunch that we had. And for me, I want you to know as a Rebbe, it was such an inspiring, it was such an inspiring lunch because even though officially I was the rabbi and he was the student, I learned so much from him because his ability to say, oh, right, it wasn't me. And to be able to get back up, it's it's something that stays with me and my own mistakes. You know, I think as rabbis, sometimes we pretend that we're perfect because, you know, we're in this position where everyone's looking at us. But we know ourselves that we're not. And no and, one's perfect. Yeah. And we need the we need the chizuk. We need the, the strengthening and the inspiration as much as anyone else. 100% reminds me of um, the spies when they went into Israel. They said that they looked like grasshoppers in their eyes. And so they were in their eyes. So the way they reflect, the way they look at themselves, the way others look at themselves, and the, something that we have to all work on, self, self, um, uh, you know, inspiration and positivity and, uh, and, uh, the power of the mind, right. thinking positive. Rabbi Berg, beautiful words of inspiration, chizuk inspiration. Um, we have a minhag custom on Torah Talks, a final message. There will be one. Final message, I would say, treat yourself with kindness and compassion. He, we say in davening, Avinu So we call out to God, you know, we, we ask Him for mercy, you know, we call Him a merciful God, and then we say, give us bina and seichel, give us the capacity to understand. And the question is, what does one have to do with the other? What does a compassionate God and having compassion on us have to do with anything about understanding? I think very often we think that if we're harsh with ourselves and if we're real with ourselves, then we really know ourselves. And it's not true. Whatever we do has to be put into context. We all come from somewhere. We have families of origin. We have childhoods. We all went through things. We developed the way we did for a reason. And when we're quote unquote real with ourselves, we're not very real with ourselves at all. Because you're not really understanding who you are unless you're seeing yourself through the lens of kindness and compassion. And so we call upon God, have mercy on us. And that's really a way of saying to ourselves, have mercy on ourselves. See ourselves through the eyes of God, so to speak. And if we could see ourselves gently, then we could actually see who we are. And when we see who we are with gentleness, with kindness, and we could see our humanity, so then we could actually begin to change. Because then we could say, I'm understandable, and anything that's understandable is forgivable. And so the more I understand myself kindly, the more I'm forgivable, and the more I can move on and let go and be something more. And I think we're all in process. And I think a lot of times, you know, we think to ourselves, we're 20, 30, 40 years old. So we're like, how long am I going to be in process for? And now you see these people, 60, 70, 80 years old, my rabbi, who was one of the great Torah geniuses in America. Um, I remember when he was in his late 70s, he once called me to apologize. And I hadn't picked up the phone because I didn't see that he had called. And he left me this voice message apologizing for something that he felt he had done when really he was right. But I, I remember being so inspired that here he was in his late 70s and he was still working on himself and he was still in process. And I hope that we can give that gift to ourselves 20, 30, 40 years out just to be in process 
with kindness and compassion. Amazing, Rabbi Mordechai Berg. Words of chizuk, words of inspiration. Thanks. Really appreciate all that you do for Klaus over the Jewish people. Really appreciate this Torah talk. I want to thank every single one of you for joining us. Chazak's Torah Talks with special guests. Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Chazak.org uh, slash live. C-H-A-Z-A-Q dot O-R-G slash live. As well as a special thank you to Torani Time and many other platform players that host our uh, podcast, Chazak Torah Talks. Special thanks to our dear friend, Dr. Jonathan Donath, yes. for making the shit up, for making the, the connection. My old roommate. Oh, really? Wow, yeah, look at that. Absolutely. We were in Mavasar together. <laughs> oh, wow. As a student and now as a Rebbe. Amazing. That's very inspiring. And uh, we give him a shout out every week, not because uh, he uh, introduced me to Rabbi Berg, but uh, because of daily giving that org, a dollar a day goes a very, very far away. And we're very thankful to his support. And we encourage everyone to check it out. And a special thank you to the entire Chazak team and supporters and staff members and board members and uh, everyone from A to Z, so dedicated. And uh, we're very, very thankful. Uh, suggestions uh, for future Torah Talks are always welcome. Info at Chazak.org, info at chazaq.org. Uh, support and dedications are always available and very much encouraged and appreciated. So please uh, make sure to reach out to Chazak as well. And Bezat Hashem, we shall only hear Bezat Hashem. Amen. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, it was amazing. Very, very inspiring.